0: Okay. Yeah, on a serious note now, I like where we're going, I like what we're doing. But uh, as I said at the beginning, um, the second week, it's time for us to raise the bar now. Are we clear on that? We've got to raise the bar. I want to practice with better etiquette, okay? Stay off the ground, stay away from the quarterback. I want the backs and receivers to finish runs, okay? I want better etiquette. But more than anything, I want better execution. Are we clear on that? I want better fucking execution. I want you to get a little bit pissed off. All right, not a lot of people expect very much from us, do they? Do they? You've been reading about us? Not a lot of people expect enough from us. I'm tired, man. I'm tired of reading about it. It's time for you to stick your foot up somebody's ass, man. I'm looking for relentless every situation strain. I want everybody to pick it up tonight because we're capable of being a great football team.
1: The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea with a rollicking song. He sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Just win, baby. Oh,
2: good morning, Raider Nation. Welcome back to the Las Vegas Raiders Lounge Podcast. I am, of course, Benny Spielberg here. This is the final Hard Knocks recap episode that we are doing during this preseason. God. How good has this series been? By far my favorite Hard Knocks. That goes almost without saying, because it's the Raiders, because they have Gruden, because they have some of these special players. They have some interesting guys, and I really enjoyed the effort that they put into this season. It's just been magical. It's been better than every other season, almost by far to me, and it's gotten me beyond hyped for an NFL season that I thought I couldn't get more hyped about. Of course, I am joined by Marquee Mark. Mark, how much did you love that episode? How much did you love this season? And God, I got to ask, are you ready for some football?
3: Well, of course I'm ready for football. We're always ready for that. Football is a 365 operation here at On The Mark. Uh, But what a finale it was. Put a really nice cap on a special season Gave us a look inside a secretive franchise that is being run very well. And we're, we'll go into that in detail in this episode. But uh, it was special, man. I always wanted to see the Raiders on Hard Knocks in a weird way. Even though I would never wanted it to be a distraction for the team. Even though I never wanted it to, you know, reveal any of the Raider way. But at the end of the day, what's the difference? The Raiders haven't exactly been the pinnacle of success in my lifetime, to say the least. So it can't hurt anybody. It gives us a ton of enjoyment, priceless summer theater, and I'm just thrilled it happened. And to answer your question, I really believe it was a tremendous finale for a strong season.
2: Yeah, it was a great season, a great final episode of that season. And I gotta say, other seasons, had the Hard Knocks featured the Raiders, it wouldn't have been nearly as special, wouldn't have been nearly as fun to watch. They just weren't caliber teams, or even caliber coaching staffs, or entertainment value, just simply, as it was this season.
3: There's no doubt about that. And the fact that they're going to Vegas at the end of this season, whenever that may be, whether that's in January or February, they are going to Vegas right after that. And that kind of puts a special type of cap on it. And we predicted it on one of the early hard knock recap podcasts that we did that they would, you know, cap off this season with a visual of Vegas. And it was really neat. That they let you in to Al Davis's office, which hasn't been touched for 10 years since the day he died.
2: Well, yeah, we were right spot on. You particular were spot on for how they were going to end essentially this episode with featuring Las Vegas or at least showing Las Vegas. And that made perfect sense. But God, to go back to that Al Davis office. Unbelievable. I love how they haven't touched it since he passed, but even more, I would love one day to somehow copy that office in a house as a like personal office. It would—it oh, it just looks awesome. It's so cool. It's I so know. Raiders,
3: or almost have like a miniature replica of his office somewhere, like as a decoration, like a um what are those you know those pirate ships in a glass bottle sure like zoolander what is this a house for a building for ants
2: yes something like that i was thinking one of the stadiums that you might buy a child like that's you know only let's say six inches wide but at the same time it has the detailed stadium
3: yes like lego should do a limited edition raiders exclusive al davis's office now that's interesting that's cool and now do you remember the miniature legos yeah it would be done with
2: those Uh, that's actually a great idea actually lego should go into making lego niche stuff niche stuff that adults are into because we grew up playing with legos i love legos i used to play with legos all the time and at a certain point i just lost interest in The stuff Legos wanted me to build, and my imagination wasn't to the point that it used to be back in the day that I could just build some crappy-looking airplane and think that it was some spaceship.
3: Yeah, that would be incredible.
2: Doing adult versions, something like Al Davis's Office, I mean, the two of us would buy it. Probably anyone listening to this show would buy it. it. It's just cool little niche things that they could make a thousand of, and that makes it even more exclusive and more interesting to have.
3: It's so niche that it would be one of those circumstances where you would see them being sold on eBay for like eight,
2: $900. Sure. I, I was talking to somebody on a very random note the other day about uh, one of these Call of Duties or something. And there was some special edition that if you got it early, you got, God, I, I don't even know what he, it was, a backpack or something like that. But he was like, yeah, man, those are selling for like three grand now because there was it was apparently the most limited edition thing they ever made.
3: Well, speaking of backpacks, there was a backpack in this episode that caught my attention. Linebacker, now Detroit linebacker Jason Kabinda, was wearing a Dragon Ball Z Louis Vuitton backpack, That's which I found pretty interesting. Sure. Now let me just make one blanket statement about hard knocks in general here. Um one of the conclusions I've drawn is I'm almost a little embarrassed for the Cleveland Browns and how overly transparent they were on hard knocks last year, excessively transparent to a point where it hurt their organization. I truly believe that. And it's almost a testament to how poorly run they were last year. I think that's improving a little bit, hopefully for them but to be as transparent as they were is kind of gross and that's a red flag and i would not be feeling good about that as a browns fan now the browns are another team you know their record over the previous 20 years isn't very impressive like the raiders but you know the raiders have kind of made the necessary structural changes within the organization i don't know if the browns are being run as cohesively and as thoroughly as they should be.
2: Well, I'm sure they weren't. You wonder if, like, it was John Dorsey or somebody upstairs kind of sabotaging a Hugh Jackson or just the coaching staff in general. You show damning things on them so it sets up for an easy, easier firing because now the media and everybody else can just go back to hard knocks and see these stupid-ass things that they're saying.
3: That's a great point, and there's something to that. And that's why I believe the New York Giants have leaked out a lot of positivity about Daniel Jones. So for when at some point in the season, when they're out of it or Eli just looks like hell, like he has looked for the past couple of years and they bench him, there won't be the upheaval and the media and the fan base won't riot like they did last time. And it'll be an easy transition into the first round pick Daniel Jones who did have a nice training camp and a very nice preseason
2: absolutely well if you dig a little deeper though into Daniel Jones you're absolutely right that they're trying to set up the narrative already because during the preseason he played with the first string offensive Mm -hmm. line now obviously that's not to get your rookie quarterback killed but that does boost his numbers and make him look better especially Mm -hmm. when he's going up against backups at the time and also if you think into the Giants roster most of their secondary or most of their skill players are kind of backups anyway so he's playing with a cent especially because they're all banged up right now or Mm -hmm. suspended to that point it, it makes sense that he would have better than average numbers but the giants probably other than the injuries to the wide receivers kind of planned for that it seems like
3: and the only reason I wanted to point that out is because, if you know, if the people listening right now don't think that type of stuff happens, oh, that happens. The NFL and NFL teams, they think into these PR moves, and they're, the good organizations try to plan them out as thoroughly
2: as possible. Well, they always talk about the NFL being a bit of a soap opera or a TV show, essentially. So well, it only with, makes sense that there's some thought into the narrative.
3: And, and, you know, it's the nature of the beast because when it's a beloved sport and the NFL is a beloved league and the nature of the beast is your beloved team only plays once a week and is only guaranteed 16 games a year. So to keep your... You know, it's a hobby for people to follow their favorite team. So, you know, this off-the-field kind of stuff, it just comes along with it because it's not like baseball, clearly. It's not like basketball with all the games. Sure. So, it's you know, it's obvious when you break it down, but not everybody looks at it through that lens.
2: Well, not only that, but for whatever reason, football fans tend to live and die with their team. A baseball fan such as my Orioles and me, they can be 60 games back of the AL East, and it sucks, but I'm fine. It's a bad baseball season. It's a bad baseball team, and that happens. Football, for whatever reason, even the bad teams you go out and see, you live and die for these Sundays, even if your team only has one win in November. Yep. It, it doesn't matter what your team's record is or how talented they are. You live and die with these teams. And funny enough, while they're in big cities a lot of the time, you have – these blue, either blue collar places in the north, like Detroit. I mean, Green Bay is a tiny town, but uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. I was thinking also Kansas City. Or you have mm-hmm. the southern teams that maybe, yeah, the Texans haven't been in Houston forever or the Titans haven't been in Tennessee forever, but they're the south. They live and die off of football 24 7. So yeah, they, of there's that, a big market for it. So because of that, these these teams just have a fan base that you got to live and die on.
3: Yep. Let me tell you an interesting little story here. As if this hard Knocks season couldn't be any more special for me the opening of the hard knocks finale featured uh, a car ride with John Gruden, defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther and the guy driving. Okay. Now they didn't show him driving in the car. But long story short, it was the same guy that drove me and Jim Gruden from the Pensacola Airport to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. How do I know, you may ask, How do you, Mark, how do you know that that was the same guy? Because when that scene concluded, they showed them walking into the facility. And I recognized the hair in the back of his head coming out of his hat. And if you think about it, I was sitting in the back seat of this beautiful infinity truck for an hour, driving from Pensacola to Mobile, looking at the back of this guy's head. So I knew it very well, not to mention when I'm watching footage of Raiders practices and when I'm just watching Hard Knocks alone, I see him uh, on the field and all. He's, you know, essentially there all the time.
1: So I I just thought
3: so cool that was insane <laughs> it it's was funny it's almost me.
2: like it's almost like a mafia in the sorts where they have the kid driving that's going uh, yeah. to, and they're working him up to become this because the driver hears and sees all the, these things and takes him to all the meetings and yeah it gets the uh, behind the scenes it, look of everything
3: yeah man it was cool it was really cool now let's run through some bullet points in this episode like we'd like to do and I, I got a list here, and you could piggyback off of my list and you can interject, but I'll start with this. Um, it was neat seeing when AB finally got his paws on the helmet he wants to wear. And incognito and AB were laughing it up, and it appears like they have lockers right next to each other. What an amazing pair to put lockers those two right next to each other. Oh, they're I found gonna that talk all day, man.
2: They're just gonna <laughs> chat it up all day. It's hilarious.
3: And it's kind of cool in a sense because, like, maybe if A.B. wanted to throw some sort of weird temper tantrum, he would maybe think twice about it because Incognito is right there next to him Mm -hmm. and, like, could check him potentially. I'm not saying he would, but, hey, you never know in an NFL locker room.
1: Well, at
2: this point in Incognito's career, after what he's been through, he's trying to take on more of the leadership role. So it makes sense that A.B., who might not be this leader – at the end of the day but is this top talent on your team to kind of pair them together and he can kind of like you said keep them in check
3: and and the raiders do have a young team as john rooted stated so with that being said ab and incognito are fairly close in age compared to if they were next to a 21 year old where incognito is like 35 36 and A B's 31 they're a uh they're a funny tandem that seems to be getting along very well. That have, And it, I've seen multiple clips of that, not just on Hard Knocks. Now, moving on. Next point. It was interesting when John Gruden was talking up Danny Woodhead, which I thoroughly enjoyed from Shadron State. I remember when he got drafted. It was interesting to see that the camera caught Josh Jacobs hiding and holding the, his hood over his head so the camera did not see him. Josh Jacobs hit, kind of hid, or they kept him out of hard knocks the entire season, which was very fascinating. But like I said, the Raiders are trying to get him prepared for a Rookie of the Year campaign. He's the starter. He looks good. He's healthy. He uh, is going to be a focal point, point. and I just found it interesting. He went as far as to have his hood, holding his hood like over his face so the camera couldn't catch any of him.
2: Well, you never know when some of these guys truly just don't like the cameras and the media and the spotlight like that, despite the fact that he's an unbelievably talented football player now at the highest level he can be at, and he went to a school like Alabama, doesn't necessarily mean he loves all those bright lights and attention. That doesn't mean he won't show up on game day and ball out on a huge day. No, of course not. When he's off the field, does he enjoy that uh, there a lot of guys don't and for all we know Look he no doesn't further than and Barry they don't want to call they don't want to call him out for that so they're taking the heat by saying yeah we just want him to prepare for the season
3: well it's and it's nothing to call a man out over you know these guys are football players and their main priority they earn their paycheck by their performance on the field especially John Gruden and especially Mike Mayock do not give a fuck about somebody else's business ventures. They just want them to be good football players and good teammates. Now, a little backstory here, Josh Jacobs was offered a movie deal over the summer based on his story of growing up homeless. And he caught whim from the writers, it seemed and producers that they kind of wanted to create a political racial story out of it. And he turned it down, which I found very interesting. He insinuated that he turned it down for those type of reasons. He said the producers were kind of trying to turn the story into something that it wasn't.
2: I don't doubt that he turned it down because they were trying to add on to or twist his own story. Because if you're going to have a movie about your life... I kind of want them to kind of get my life right at the end of the day. Exactly. I don't blame the guy, but it also seems like he doesn't need the spotlight or even maybe want the spotlight on him at all times. So I wouldn't be surprised later down the road in a big game or something along there, they want to talk to him and we find out that he is not comfortable really talking to the media. Yeah,
3: and I'm going to tell you right now, he is comfortable talking to the media post game, pre game. It's just, you know, the camera thing in a in a holy in a traditionally holy place like a team meeting. Um a traditional holy place like a private practice. You know, it is awkward for these guys. They're not totally, especially a rookie, used to that.
2: Yeah, a rookie especially, you're just trying to get used to everything around you, you're trying to get the new routines of your life down and it's tough and plus you're at a new job like anybody else you're trying to make friends you're trying to know people's names you're trying to get people to like you you know what i mean there's a lot of stuff going on you don't need to care about these cameras
3: and so i respect him tenfold for that it's uh it's a, it's a positive in my eyes. Now, after the first episode, everybody was up in arms about Jonathan Abram, and I understood he came off terribly. Now, I had much more former experience with him than a lot of people that first viewed Hard Knocks, so I get that. It wasn't my first impression like it was others. And I said on our recap podcast, I said, trust me, he is not like that. I literally said, In in our first episode, he's a yes-sir-no-sir guy who respects the chain of command on the football field in a very big way. Because if he didn't, Mike Mack and John Gruden would have never drafted him, they would have never penciled him in as a day-one starter, and... Uh, frankly he wouldn't have had as successful of a career as he's had uh as you know in the sec he's a very well accredited player so when the cameras really weren't necessarily focusing on anything and he he by no means thought the camera and the boom mic was near him there was defensive back coach uh jim o'neill talking to him and it just caught him saying yes sir in passing and it was like, you know, that's the real Jonathan Abram. That's Jonathan Abram on a football field. That's what they drafted. He's going to be a player for them. I truly believe that. And I was just glad to, to get that soundbite of him saying, yes, sir, because we had the soundbite of me literally saying he's a yes, sir, no, sir kind of guy. And those are the football players you need, especially when they're young.
2: Yeah, I like Abrams. I think he'll be a good player, but I'm still convinced that he'll, definitely make some terrible penalties in some bad spots. It's, hey, anything is possible. Now, that I, might get cleaned up later in his career. He may get smarter as he goes, but I think at least early on, there's going to be some there's going to be some head case penalties for the kid. Time will tell. I
3: loved Gruden making the Rocky reference calling Max Crosby clubber Lang mm-hmm. because he wears the – now, Max Crosby will have the club off his – hand for game one he'll have a cast on but his fingers will be exposed but anytime you get a rocky clubber lang reference it that's can't miss sure the preseason game in seattle rain it was ugly rainy seattle no starters really played in fact none at all and i just found it so impressive that when the raiders were coming out of the tunnel who was out there, but Raiders owner Mark Davis basically clapping his hands, giving them all, you know, handshakes, giving them fist bumps, you know, what owner would really do that in a fourth preseason road rain game? It's not like it was the final preseason game in Oakland or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That just tells you the type of man Mark Davis is. And to open up his office – his father's office to the cameras. That was a nice little treat because you could only imagine bending. That's a holy place for him. You, we can relate to that in some ways in, and uh, that was a nice treat that he gave the HBO cameras because he had every right to not let them in his father's office.
2: For sure. And it was great seeing him before that game. I totally agree. Not many, if any owners would make that appearance and, if they did make an appearance, they wouldn't do it in the way that Mark Davis did. Now, I don't think any other owner has been raised into an NFL franchise like that man has, though. So there's nothing in that man's life that I think he loves more than the Raiders, and I understand well, that. Yes.
3: Yes, you are right. And... um It was just really cool to me. I just I Mark Davis is, you know, I get real defensive over certain people. I I hate how the media torments Gruden, although he can handle it. I didn't like how the media treated Nathan Peterman and neither John Gruden. Um, I didn't. And I don't like how the media knocks on Mark Davis. He's a charitable guy. He's the only non billionaire owner. He was born into it and. At the end of the day, he got the team a brand new stadium in Las Vegas, and he has arguably one of the, you know, some may say one of the best coaches in football. He's got a, a real solid GM in place. I mean, I feel like the Raiders have a prestigious front office, which I've said before, and a prestigious coaching staff, and that's a credit to Mark Davis.
2: I totally agree. I, I do like Mark Davis. I wish he maybe would have gotten a better haircut. I hear uh, yeah, I, an outrageous I don't story about that. the trip he takes and the amount of money he spends to go get the haircut he gets. It's one thing if you're like, yeah, I don't care, so I have my buddy come over and cut it for me because he's cheap. But he's not. He spends an enormous amount of money to go take a trip to get a terrible haircut. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I do really like the guy. He seems like a very nice person, a very generous person. And not to go too far back in the series, but you saw that in the first episode, I believe, with that Raiders alumni party and how he treats anybody and everybody who was ever a Raider.
3: No question about it. Now, during that game, once the ball kicked off, I loved when Gruden said, "Come on, Gino, throw a pick. You're due, baby." Mm-hmm. You know that's Gruden talking, just like I talk, right, Betty, during a football game. Oh yeah, that was so classic and so true. Well,
2: yeah, know, Smith can't throw in the wind or the rain. I I witnessed that personally at West Virginia many days. Yes,
3: yes, yes. You met Gino Smith?
2: Yeah. Listen, I've I met Gino Smith a couple times. I've watched him play numerous times if you showed up to the stadium that day and it was three mile an hour wind and a nice day, you're like, uh, Gino's gonna go off. Bet a ton on West Virginia. If you showed up and it was thirteen mile an hour winds, forget about it. Geno Smith wasn't scoring a single thing. The man doesn't adjust to weather well. And I when I say that, I mean he'll throw if it's windy to the one sideline, he'll literally throw it out of bounds on that sideline all day. At no point will he take something off, will he adjust. He just throws it and the weather can take that ball anywhere
3: yeah the Raiders ended up they didn't pick him off but they sacked him a couple times and he they hurt his ankle after one of the sacks and he got he actually got knocked out of the game I thought it was funny the referee signaled first down and then told John it was only going to be a five yard roughing uh running into the kicker instead of the roughing the kicker and John Gruden goes with another political innuendo comment. He says he signaled first down to me and then he changed his mind. He, uh, he Typical of everything in this country. He said that. Yeah. That's political innuendo. Now, Benny, I think you thought I was a little nuts when I mentioned this. I believe it was back in our episode one podcast recap. Uh, he makes these political innuendo comments about society and I just absolutely fucking love them.
2: Yeah, they're hilarious. Uh, I, you know, I don't nef- necessarily know what he's referencing with that. It's one of those <laughs> things where you go, like, what? What are you referencing? And he's like, yeah. you know, you know.
3: Well, that's uh, why I use the broad term innuendo.
2: Yeah, but it's so funny. <laughs> uh, I do love those. Now there are a couple other Gruden quotes from that game that I have written down that I absolutely love. In the all right, hold on. I only okay. have I
3: only have one. So okay. if you have a couple. Let me know if this one is on there. I'm sure it is. It, it, all right. It, it was really cool because Mike Mayock was on the sideline and Keelan Dash dropped two passes in a series mm-hmm. and, and he has done that a few times. And Gruden was
2: hollering, Mayock,
3: Mayock, where's Mike? Mike he goes, Mike, can we get a couple guys in here who can catch? Can you get me a couple receivers who can catch.
2: Yeah, tracks down I, Mayock on the sideline and, was fantastic. And Mayock was
3: cracking the hell up. Yeah, uh, because Mayock, I mean, the guy's an undrafted free agent wide receiver. The, the the guy the Raiders drafted in the fifth round, Hunter Renfro, has been the penciled in slot receiver from day one mm-hmm. and will be week one. Now your turn, Benny.
2: I apologize. No, you're good. Okay, so when the game was either about to kick off or just kicked off. It's a shit weather storm in Seattle. And Gruden just goes, I love this weather up here in Seattle, man. But like, <laughs> obviously being sarcastic, fucking hates this weather. Cause this is a guy that likes California, likes Tampa Bay, likes these nice weather places. Uh, huh.
3: incredible. He's a, uh, he's a sarcastic guy and I just find him. And a lot of the players say it and his coaches say it. And, He's just hilarious. I find him hilarious, and, you know,
2: I'm not the only one, and neither are you. Yeah, he's captivating in everything that he says. Yeah. Now, now, I don't know exactly what he was looking for I, at this point, but at one point, he's looking for something, and he tells somebody, get fucking Bill Gates out here.
3: Yeah, 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 because uh, what's-his-name was the owner of... Um, the Seahawks, the guy, the man who Paul recently Allen. passed away, and he had what the stake in Microsoft, right?
2: I believe so. Yeah,
3: he was one of the founding fathers of Microsoft.
2: So then I also love. At one he was point...
3: looking. He was looking for the all twenty-two printouts of okay. the play.
2: Okay, I, I knew it was something like that, but I didn't know exactly. So then at one point, I believe he's talking to one of the coaches up in the booth, and he tells him. Tell him a corner on his left looks like Tom Cable. Looks like fucking me. Looks like a guy we can beat. I just love how Tom Cable is the first name that comes to his mind. Incredible.
3: Yeah, especially because Tom Cable's battled weight problems for yeah. a long time and, and has now, like, lost the weight and remained skinny for a good five-plus years. That's funny. And, ta- and he's taking shots at him.
2: Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still bringing it up. Okay, yeah. so... I also loved John Gruden's post-game press comp or post-game speech to the team. In fact, we're gonna play the clip of it because it was just special in the sense that this a fourth preseason game they lost, but you can tell how much he loves the guys in this locker room.
0: Yes. All you can ask for on a team is a bunch of guys that fucking finish. Are you guys looking on that? It's uh, so proud of you. It's going to be tough, tough, tough for us to figure out which 53 guys we can keep. Yeah, but I'm emotional right now because I love this family, and I appreciate you. Hey, family on me, family on three. One, two, three. Family. Everybody knows your name now, guys. Hell of a job.
2: So then this isn't a John Gruden quote from the game, but it is something that after the game, a fan said to Kabina. he goes, Tell your mom we said hi. Now when I when I heard that, I I I believe everybody knew what they were talking about. Oh, we love your mom, tell her we said hi, it's in the nice way. But it made me think, has a Raiders fan ever told a player, Tell your mom I said hi, and not done it in a mocking way to him? In a way like whether it was a Raider or not, or an opposite team. That's right. one of those things you say to the guys to, like, fuck with them without, like, cursing and being a real asshole to them. Yeah. yeah tell but, your mom I said hi. It's uh,
3: it's like a classic, like, stab at somebody. But in this sense, like we said in the last episode, it was, you know, Kabinda's mom's cool. <laughs> she She gets it. She's cool. And they must have felt that same emotion that we kind of talked about. That the last episode really did capture on Hard Knocks with the mother son relationship.
2: Yeah, I loved her in this episode too. She she's a good lady, and I'm glad that Kabinda found a job somewhere. Yeah, man, he's with
3: Matt Patricia now, who knows defense, and uh, the Raiders and the Lions do meet this year, so that'll be interesting. All the best to Kabinda. He's a uh, he's an active linebacker, a good teammate, and. Um, he played well for the Raiders, you know, last year a little bit and throughout the summer here. It just, they only carried four linebackers. They like having their safeties now play in the box more. They have that skill set, that diversity that they didn't have before. So a guy like Cabinda, who was an undrafted linebacker, becomes expendable.
2: Well, while we're on Cabinda, I'm going to tie him into something we were talking about earlier about how the Raiders were more secretive if you will or at least didn't show as much as some of these other franchises have in the past with hard knocks in the fact that they only showed him getting cut yeah they they showed guys showing up they showed them leaving they talked to them afterwards but unlike every other organization they had more respect for their men than to show these men getting fired from their job in a career-altering life-altering situation And it's one of these awkward scenes that's, while it's great to be able to witness that meeting in the hard knocks, it's not fair to those guys that are getting cut in that moment. And it's a tough situation, even if they handle it tremendously. Now, Cabina's I feel like was shown because of how natural it was where this coach was like, essentially I'll do anything for you to get you another job somewhere else. And, obviously it helps that he did get another job somewhere else
3: for sh- for sure and i'm going to give you a little background on that that wasn't the when he met with defensive coordinator paul gunther there and gunther told him i'll do anything for you That wasn't the initial cut. He met with Mayock first. Now, Mayock, this was his first time having to release players at the end of training camp. Of course, the Raiders and Mayock himself have already released players from the start of this offseason. And, you know, he's done that personally. Mm -hmm. But for what I read and heard and, and... You know, and Mike Mayock said himself, he was very emotional during these cuts. He said he was breaking down in tears occasionally. Some of the players were in tears. He said it's a very personal moment, it's a very impactful moment. And, uh, you know, uh, moral of the story, like you just said, it's really not a place for cameras, it's a very personal thing. And it wasn't cool of them to show Paul Gunther and Cabinda having that little meeting. And what was even more fascinating was Gunther was—I don't know if you noticed—but was wearing a Springfield Inn, Sea Isle City bar mm-hmm.
2: shirt. Yeah,
3: and I, I found that very cool. He—he's uh, a Sea Isle guy. When I spoke to him down at the Senior Bowl, he was talking up Sea Isle to me. He's—he's uh, he's classic, man. Paulie G. His players love him. Rudin said he will be a head coach one day. I don't doubt it. I really don't. He's um, he's a talented guy, innovative guy, and he's young. Yet. So we'll see what the future holds there.
2: I can definitely see him winding up as a head coach. Now, I did enjoy how they intertwined those cuts and all those cut scenes with the conversation from these guys about kind of what it feels like on the other side and, you know, like the adult approach. I know they're all adults and they're all men, but these are men that don't have careers as players. so And maybe one day had careers as players. So it was one of these things that you got the grown-up version of kind of how it feels and all of that. And I love them talking about how, you know, these guys have been pros for five, seven, nine years, and then you make all these cut days, and then one year you don't. But to me, it goes even deeper because these guys haven't just made cut day the last 9 years they were easily making cut days in college and in high school and peewees they were never the guys that were even close to getting cut at those levels so right. for now a uh, let's say 30 year old to get cut after 25 years of essentially never being close to the one getting cut it's an eye opening experience for these guys and you know it oh, yeah. really change it's life altering not just career altering
3: Yep. And I just my final two points, Benny, before we get into the
2: season preview portion of the show
3: is the Hard Knocks show didn't properly explain that the Jaguars didn't sign Keelan Doss to their active roster. They signed him to their practice squad. He cleared waivers. The Raiders offered to bring him in onto their practice squad he felt like he had a better opportunity to go to the jaguars practice squad and eventually break onto their roster because they don't have as deep of a receiving core as the raiders have
2: sure he definitely has a better chance down in jacksonville
3: no, no it, it was a wise business decision there
2: uh for Doss. not to and, mention he doesn't have to pay state taxes
3: yeah that's very true and here was my final thing and i found it to be tremendous it was during the extras where ganon mentioned the tuck rule to gruden Mm -hmm. jokingly they were in a jovial type of conversation and gruden's face got like real stern and wide eyed
2: i love that
1: (laughs) he did it
3: you know just you know and for me to this day it's hard to watch clips of that so tenfold for him and how he feels towards it
2: yeah i mean you know gannon feels very similar to gruden so that's one of the guys who can bring up that play and have gruden totally be okay with it and not actually be pissed like he didn't like it but he was fine with it
3: right well gannon can say it because he was in the foxhole with john
2: exactly that's his guy yeah yeah
3: yeah for sure
2: Okay, so I had a couple more points before we get to the questions, and then we'll get to the season preview. Okay. Uh, so we always talk about the different Autumn Wind versions and the music and the editing that they do, but they had one that I don't think I've heard before. It was an extremely slow version of the Autumn Wind, and that was chillworthy to me. Okay, yes, and I didn't
3: write this down, but I did notice it, and I made a mental note of it, and I, I'm thrilled you picked up on it, too. That was a, a classic rendition that NFL Films has used before, okay? And it is. It, it, that, that version of it, it just sends a chill up my spine. I have heard that one before during a classic highlights of Raiders games from the '70s, 60s, 70s, and
2: 80s, actually. I yeah. love that version. It was amazing. Now, I also love towards the end how Antonio Brown is not only working out his pool, but catching passes while in the pool. Why get out he, of the pool? Just just throw it to me in here. I can catch it fine.
3: He gets some cool workouts in, man.
2: Yeah, it made me jealous of those pool workouts with the medicine balls and the bike in there. And I it's really insane. was like, where can I find that? Because that would be unbelievable. Yeah, yeah man. I'm He's a huge um, pool workout guy.
3: As a Raider fan, I was really happy. They, they showed his feet and how good his feet looked, uh, clearly compared to what they were looking like. So he is, uh, he's is he been practicing at full strength, full pads. They are locked, cocked, and ready to rock.
2: Yeah, you know, after that pool scene, I know they call his cousin or whatever Hollywood Brown. I think they should just start calling him Hollywood Brown. I think he, he heard that nickname way before that kid did.
3: He's the real Hollywood Brown. There's no doubt about that
2: uh-huh and now my very last point is after that rich gannon part in the final scenes in the credit scenes of this episode they ended with john gruden from his buccaneer days talking about how yeah well first they're talking about how he's going to be an announcer and they're looking forward to that and then he talks about how now nah, i'm going to be on hbo because then i can curse Yep, he's and a visionary. He is. It was very, very cool. I loved how they ended it with that. It was so, it was very special to me.
3: And I would just like to say that I almost think it's a foregone conclusion that the Raiders will be back on hard knocks within the next two to three years, if not next year.
2: <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt it. It would make perfect sense because I almost think. And we talked about this in previous episodes, how the guys that they have in their front office and coaching staff and the players that they have in their locker room, this type of show is going to bring out the best of you in a time where you can at times get lazy and you can slack off at times and you can lose your focus because camp is so long and grueling.
3: Yeah, it's... It's really a neat dynamic of what they have going on in that building. Like John said, the foundation is set. Like Mark Davis said, the greatness of the Raiders lies in their future. I think 2019 is going to be an incredibly interesting season. As ESPN's Steve Levy said on the Adam Schefter podcast, the Raiders are the most intriguing team of 2019 and many other Uh, sports commentators have said that as well. I agree with it and I believe they're very intriguing going forward with the new Las Vegas dynamic.
2: Alright, so real quick, we got a couple questions from the inbox from fans. They're very interested. The first one, Pablo in LA. Pablo wants to know what kind of numbers do you see from Darren Waller? Darren Waller, now that he's made starting tight end.
3: You know, John said something very interesting on the episode. He said that the tight end position is the glue of the offense.
2: Yeah, I heard that.
3: And I would like to pick his brain a little on that one. I don't know if I totally buy into that, but I think the sky is the limit for Darren Waller because of that athletic ability he has. He's a mismatched nightmare. But this is all new road for him. This is all, you know, he he hasn't had this opportunity before. He is the biggest wild card in the NFL. Let's say um, I'm going to give him uh, 500 yards and five touchdowns. How do you like that?
2: Yeah, that's very reasonable. I, I think maybe touchdowns-wise he probably gets less, but I could see yards maybe a little more. Uh, now, what I think maybe Gruden was getting in to that line is, in some ways is that if you have a ver if you have a reliable tight end that not only can block but also catch and run good routes and make the defense scared of you as a playmaker downfield, that just opens up everything and it allow it a good tight end is a safety blanket for everything. Not only can the quarterback dump it off, but your good tight end is going to help in your blocking game a lot. Not to mention then, now they have to look at the tight end instead of Antonio Brown or Jacobs. And before you know it, those guys are running along the outside. So I think that's kind of where he was getting at, that just a tight end in any offense should be somewhat of a huge position on how it develops and runs.
3: The Raiders have mismatched nightmares all over the field with a tall, fast Tyrell Williams. Uh, a Hall of Fame talent in Antonio Brown, a crafty young athletic slot receiver with glue for hands and hunter renfro, savvy veterans like Ryan Grant and JJ Nelson. Then you get into the backfield with the great route runner and great hands. Josh Jacobs, who can also run it. Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington also have above average hands catching. This team has mismatches all over the field. So on third and six, just when you have you think you have them stopped and Darren Waller is wide open somewhere it's going to be very frustrating for a defense
2: yeah absolutely so i I think that's i kind of understand where he was getting at and i don't think he was necessarily despite the fact that he said for our offense i kind of think that if you asked him and picked his brain about it he would wind up talking himself into that every offense
3: and, and let me just real quick cap it with this this darren waller kid is so athletic that in a freezing cold December game in Cincinnati last year, they ran a friggin' tight end sweep with him. He, he got the corner, took it up the sidelines about 35 yards, got tackled on the one-yard line. Now, I don't even know any other tight ends where they're running tight end sweeps with. So, just let that sink in for a minute or two. The more I think about it, I don't know if I've ever seen a tight end jet sweepish kind of play.
2: Yeah, not one that really was successful in my memory.
3: Yep. yep, so that's how athletic this kid
2: is. All right, Bill in San Antonio wants to know when the Raiders are going to win their next Super Bowl, Marky. 2020, next year. 2020 as in this season or next season? Because technically no, the Super Bowl is in this, yeah. 2020.
3: Yeah, so this is the 2019-2020 season. So yeah, they're going to win it in the 2020-21 season. So whatever you want to call that.
2: Okay, I feel actually the season after. I, I just envision February 2022, the Raiders are back.
3: And that's fair. Um, but we'll delve, we'll dive more into that in our, in our season preview episode. But yeah, uh, the future is bright. The foundation is set
2: okay and now this last question is based on probably about a two to three second clip from this last episode where they had a chucky doll that was talking like john gruden saying john gruden lines now for a little backstory for people and listeners that don't know our mascot for our whole broadcast is a chucky doll so Benny Spielberg in Philly wants to know, how can we get our Chucky doll to talk like John Gruden?
3: (laughs) And guess what, I want to know that too. Now, like, you know how they have those little, like, plastic voice box kind of things that go inside of a doll or a Mm -hmm. teddy bear? Mm -hmm. How much would you pay for one of those with a bunch of John Gruden lines in it?
2: Honestly, at this point, I feel like Radio Shack probably has them for 30 bucks if Radio Shack is still open anywhere. Well,
3: I, I think I literally think every Radio Shack in America is closed. It's like a blockbuster kind of thing.
2: I weirdly think Radio Shack's still open somehow, some way. I don't know how. Who the fuck goes to Radio Shack in the last 20 years? But I weirdly want to say somebody was talking about going to the Radio Shack recently. But always, I, I, I really think we could put it together, not too hard.
3: I always uh, always enjoyed a Radio a Radio Shack trick.
2: Yeah, me too. Cool back when store you were, yeah back when you were too young to really know how bogus a lot of that shit was but it well was it cool. wasn't
3: necessarily bogus at the time but it was more like too young to really afford anything in there either well, well definitely, electronics
2: definitely too young to afford anything
3: but yeah so uh we need to get that doll made if any uh you know if anybody has any advice on how we can pursue that we're all ears
2: yeah, cuz that's going to happen. That needs to happen.
3: That'd be special.
2: Agreed. All right. Well, that does it for our Hard Knocks recap. And I guess that'll swing us right into our NFL preview.
3: Beautiful. Now, Benny, what I would like you to do here is lead us division to division, uh, we'll, we'll pick our division winners and then we'll uh if we want to do a deep dive or a, let's just call it an abbreviated deep dive with that division and that division winner, we can. If not, we'll just keep the ball moving up the field, and we'll bang this out.
2: I totally agree. We'll run through the divisions. Like I said, I'm sure we'll have a quick conversation or two at some point about them. But after all of that and after we give that, I do have a small list of season prop bets that me personally have taken. So I obviously like these – season prop bets so i'm gonna give the listeners those i'm not saying they'll hit but they're just some stuff that i enjoy all right marky so let's start it off with the afc we're gonna start it off with the afc west because why wouldn't we
3: as much as it pains me i have the Chiefs winning the division because they do have it going on right now with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Somehow Tyreek Hill doesn't get suspended for reason why I will never know. And I think the shady McCoy edition will almost, you know, truly put them over the top in a lot of ways until Mahomes gets Uh, fully shut down. I just can't bet against them. And these two experienced, they get a, They have a true home field advantage with arrowhead. They play well in the cold. I got the Raiders in second place in the division and going to the playoffs in the wild card. I got the chargers finishing third and I have the Broncos in last place. I think the Broncos have potential to be one of the worst teams in the league by, uh, you know and when i say that i'm talking about a potential 3 or 4
2: win team yeah pretty similar where i have it the chiefs at this point you can't not have them winning the division in my eyes you just uh, can't do it i i think they're between an 11 and 12 win team i, I it's, with that yeah. offense with those weapons and i'm not saying they have an easy schedule but there's enough games on that schedule that you go okay, yeah, they're going to at least get 8-9, and then if they can win some of the coin flip games, which you assume they do, they're a 10, probably 11, 12-win team tonight. I, I think their defense isn't necessarily great. Everyone's sexy pick to make the Super Bowl this year. I don't necessarily see it because of that defense and because, at a certain point, a lot of their players just don't have the experience of making a run like that. Having said that, I do think they win the division. I have the Chargers with 10 wins finishing second in that division. I have the Raiders with at least eight, probably nine wins. Having said that, just missing a playoff spot. Probably the first or second team out of a playoff spot. But I think it's a very successful and positive season for them to build upon going moving forward to the next season. And I agree with you that Denver is going to be garbage. I really don't think they're going to be that good this year. I think they're a team that relies heavily on the run, and I don't necessarily love their running backs or their offensive line enough to think they win those games. Their defense is a nice pass rush, but I question the secondary and middle linebackers to a point. I really think, again, they're a four-win team. Yeah. So now we move to the south. Tennessee, Indy, Houston, Jacksonville.
3: Tough division in terms of putting your finger on it. You know, the Andrew Luck retirement truly opens that thing up. I think the Titans are in a quarterback quandary. They don't know whether to go Mariota, Tannehill. They kind of get similar results out of both guys. I do like the job Rabel's doing. And so, you know, but I don't see them winning the division or making the playoffs. I see them as a seven and nine, eight and eight, six and ten team, six to eight win team. Um, I I dig this potential storyline of backup quarterback Frank Reich wins the division with backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett. And uh, just like Reich saw the success with Nick Foles. So I'm going to do something really weird here. And I'm going to say the Colts win the division with Reich and Brissett. And I'm going to have the Jags in second place and the uh, Titans after that. And then that puts uh, the Texans in last place. And I know that sounds insane, but let's just say if Deshaun Watson goes down, something weird happens there. I'm just not sold on Deshaun Watson in any way, shape or form. I'm going to have the Texans in last place this year just to kind of bring that, you know, just for audio evidence in case that wild guess happens where we could bring this back and say, hey, he's a guru.
2: Yeah, I don't think you're a Groover. I think you're <laughs> goofy and googly-eyed. Uh, I I am the exact opposite, at least in the Houston Texans sense. I think that they take the division. I think Jacksonville finishes in second. I think Indy finishes in third. Tennessee fourth. Now I think, funny enough, all four teams are going to be within nine and seven wins. And isn't that division
3: always like that? I, I mean, I last think, I last think so, year yeah. was decided was week 17 games i believe that division is always sort of middle of the road i will say this the jaguars should have been in the super
2: bowl just two years ago sure well they blew it but they were yeah, about but, to uh, be in the super bowl had they not blown it it's they not like they were went, handed they, it but
3: right but they almost you know went to new england and won an afc championship game that that could have been really historic and special and It's a shame, but yeah, I think that defense
2: is is really special, and that defense is going to come to play this year. I do think Nick Foles is going to be better than Blake Bortles, and I think he'll probably have most of his success in the first half of the season. I think at about six to eight games into the season, we're going to start seeing a regression in Nick Foles's play a little bit, and just overall consistency. And I think that that's going to be the reason they probably finish about eight and eight. Maybe even 9-7. and seven. I think probably them and Houston both finish about 9-7, and seven, tied for the top of the division. Having said that, a tiebreaker will give it to Houston. Jacksonville misses the playoffs. Indy finishes with eight wins. Tennessee finishes with seven, maybe six wins. But I think it's a clusterfuck to the very end.
3: And, and Benny, because of that clusterfuck, that's why I had no problem prognosticating the Texans in last place in, in a kind of wacky season for them. Sure. making that wacky Jadavian Clowney trade, uh, adding all these pieces so late. It just kind of feels wacky to me. Uh, they still really can't protect Deshaun Watson. Um, they're the uh, Deshaun Watson injury away uh, from uh, probably being abysmal. And that, that's not a stab at them. That's most teams with their starting quarterback.
2: I wouldn't even go that far to the sense that I think that they, they could technically lose Deshaun Watson and, and win this division, and I say that in the sense because when I look at this division, I think when you look back, the story is going to be very clear. There was one starting quarterback out of the four teams. Now you yeah. can say Nick uh, Foles I mean, is this starting quarterback. I get it. You can say Marcus Mario is this starting quarterback.
3: Well, no, we're not. Nobody saying that.
2: But it, but that's the thing. Like all of these guys are in two years going to be backup quarterbacks, except Deshaun Watson.
3: Yeah, well, you know, Deshaun Watson hides a lot of problems. They cannot protect him. He runs away. He runs for his life back there, and he extends a lot of plays for him. If they lose that dynamic, I would think they would be toast. Sure, but then again, but Bill can't... O'Brien has gone to the quarter, gone to the playoffs with Osweiler and Savage. And uh, Hoyer, I believe. Yeah, I he's, you have a
2: defense he's with a lot of Hoyer. leaders on it, okay? So when you have a defense with a lot of leaders on it, If you lose your quarterback at some point, it becomes a rallying cry. Almost how the Eagles won the Super Bowl off that rallying cry. It's our time.
3: I I don't know if they're that talented on defense. but I'm not saying they're as talented as the Eagles were that
2: year to make a run at the Super Bowl. But all I'm saying is... I still think they could lose Deshaun Watson and win that division because the other three groups in a year or two will all have been starting backup quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, no, hey, it's, of course. You know, of course. Like, this is the NFL. This is what makes it fun. I'm just creating a debate atmosphere here and taking a wild, you know, a skip balance esque hot-take prediction for the sake of uh, for the sake of debate. I think it's a, a, a pos- I do genuinely believe it is a possibility. J.J. Watt, he's a walking injury. Deshaun Watson's style of play, I believe he's a, hes an injury waiting to happen. And it is what it is. It's a clusterfuck of a division. And however it plays out, it plays out. None of those teams are going to the Super Bowl. Guaranteed.
2: Agreed. I'd have to agree with that. Now, the Texans could make a run if Deshaun Watson stays healthy and things start clicking for them. But they are the only one. I would imagine that can make a run at the Super Bowl. I guess some would argue the Jags, and they'd probably bring up the point you were bringing up earlier about how they were one blow-up away from being in the Super Bowl two years ago. So, And that I was with Blake Bortles. So,
3: I, I, I could only name one Jaguars receiver, D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Leonard uh, Fournette is a, is a bust at this point. It's a new quarterback and it's a quarterback that's new to town and a new system um, Jalen Ramseys a talk about a distraction and a, and a head case he, he is just that and he doesn't necessarily back it up um, I don't know I don't I, I don't know any weapons they have Who's their I have no clue what weapons they have I can name DD Westbrook and Ford that's a bust so Kielan Doss.
2: I, Yeah, yeah, hey, maybe. No, I could could name some of their guys, but I do agree their skill positions are not top-notch. It's going to be a team that has to win on their defense, but I think they can do that based on who they have to play a lot of times. I mean, when you're facing Houston, Indy, and Tennessee six times a year, I mean, your defense can win you four of those six games.
3: Nick Foles had top-tier skilled players around him with top-tier hot play calling. And, uh, and and he saw success. I don't know if he necessarily has that in Jacksonville. Although I do like Doug Maroon. All right, that's enough of my least favorite division in football, the AFC South. Totally. Let's that got on. way
2: overdue. Having said that one last point about Nick Foles and his skill positions, he does not even have a real tight end down there. And that is his favorite well, that's position what I'm to throw to. Well, but that's yeah. bigger than the receivers that he has to okay. throw to. He can throw to not that talented receivers. Uh, yep. It's the tight end that's the biggest problem for him. Okay, moving on. Up I-95. We're going to go to the AFCs. Buffalo, New England, Miami, and the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets.
3: Yep, so I got the Jets making a big step forward this year. They're going to finish in second place. Of course, I have the Patriots winning the division. I got the, um, the Bills in third place. I do like some of the things that Sean McDermott's doing there. And Josh Allen's one of the biggest wild cards in football. I can't quite put my fingerprint on who he is yet, but I'm looking forward to evaluating him further this year. He's another one where, you know, he's throwing to Cole Beasley here and Zay Jones. They They just cut Shady. So they got TJ Yeldon. They got some running back from London now.
2: Frank Gore, don't forget.
3: And, of course, they got the savvy veteran, the Frank Gore, the ageless wonder. And uh, I I have Brian Flores' Dolphins in last place. Uh, I believe 0-16 is in play for them. Uh, right now they're the biggest joke going in the NFL, and uh, I don't care what they got value. Turn for their trading that they made during cutdown weekend because there's no guarantee that they'll hit on those picks. I remember when the Browns had uh, all those picks and they didn't hit whatsoever. So getting them means nothing. Uh, I don't trust GM Chris Greer and head coach Brian Flores to nail a draft. Uh, so by no means would that get me excited as a Dolphins fan. They are going to be utterly abysmal this year truly abysmal uh one in 15 2 and 14 is in play you know so I got the Patriots winning the division whether it's 10 wins whether it's 13 wins they'll find a way to get it done the Jets are going to look solid under Gase they they might even take a game from the Patriots this year in fact I'll go as far as to say they are going to take a game I really like Darnold. I like Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator. I always have. They have pieces on that defense. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They could weirdly be a wild card contender late in the year where you know they have those in the hunt category and the Jets might be at the top of that in the the hunt list.
2: I have the exact same order for these AFC East teams. I think that almost everybody doing this would probably have the exact same order at least more often than any other division has the exact same order of these teams finishing. I I really when you look at the division all of the divisions this is probably the most easy one to predict the exact order of the four teams. I think the Patriots will get their double digit wins will be on top. I agree the Jets do take a step forward. I have them finishing at 9 wins just missing out on that wild card berth sorry Jay. hate to tell you yeah yeah our guy jay uh, they're missing out jay but they're gonna have a great run and they're gonna get close them and the raiders so close but they're not gonna make it the Uh,
3: raiders and jets are the future of the afc i've been saying that to people
2: for sure i do like buffalo and what they're building also i love i really love that quarterback and it sounds so weird to notice but his movement and vision in the pocket and when escaping is almost at a level I rarely see. I've never seen Josh Allen choose the wrong way. When there's the defender coming at him, he goes right. The defender goes left. If the defender yeah, goes left, he goes right. It, it, it doesn't. It, it, either way, he always seems to go the other way.
3: He's got a good feel for the pocket. He's got good pocket presence. He's a big, fast, athletic kid, strong kid. Kind of has like a Roethlisberger thing going on with a powerful arm and size and good feet. I can't put my finger on him just yet. I don't know if I endorse him just yet. Like I said, this year is going to be a major evaluation year for me. That's one of the games. You know, I'll be in my mission control center, one o'clock on Sunday, and I will have Jets Broncos or excuse me, Jets Bills running. I will watch that game beginning to end.
2: I think that Buffalo is going to have a nice season, a season that the fans can feel good about when looking back on. But at the end of the day, it's a season that they only finish with seven moves. They're still under 500 at the end of the day. Now, I did mention prop bets. I do have two intriguing prop bets just because it's going to happen one of these years soon. Buffalo or the Jets to win the division over the Patriots. I don't think it hits this year, but I'm throwing a little money on this year, next year, whenever, however many years until it hits. Uh, everyone but Miami
3: i like it i love
2: it so that takes us to the afc north where we have baltimore pittsburgh cleveland and of course the cincinnati Bengals.
3: ugly division never liked this division don't like watching games out of this division uh when they play each other for some reason it's always boring me but it is it's defensive football although they Some of these teams have had some dynamic offenses over the years as well. Carson Palmer and Ocho Cinco. Some of those very good Steelers offenses. But anywho, that's just a matter of personal taste. Uh, I got the Steelers winning this division. I have the Bengals in last place. And, The Bengals are another one of these teams that are in the running to be the worst team in the NFL. Uh, That's a team I could see winning between two and four games. Um, I think they're truly abysmal. Um, The Ravens, I'm not really a Lamar Jackson guy whatsoever. I really don't believe in what they're building there. Um, And a lot of people like them and a lot of people are high on the Browns and the Browns have been a sexy team. And and I don't really like either team. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's just one of those things. So I'm like flipping a coin here before. Who do I want? Second place. Who do I want? Third place. But, um, I'm going to put the Browns in second place because this is an offensive league and they have some dynamic playmakers. Not only do I, Clearly, I like Beckham and Landry uh, because they are proven both number one receivers. Um, but I like that, that speedy second-year kid that they got in the slot. Okay, I like their backfield. I like Njoku. And I'm a Baker, May- a Baker Mayfield believer, and I have been from day one. So I'm going to have the Browns in second place, and I'm going to have the Ravens in third place. I'm going to have the Browns at nine wins i'm gonna have the ravens at eight wins and i think the steelers could win as many as 13 games this year
2: yeah i think the steelers are on a mission for sure i believe it's still their division this season i have the cincinnati bungles at the bottom as well i think that if you ask me them picking third overall quarterback justin herbert you might as well set it in stone now. The Oregon kid might as well start picking out apartments or houses in Cincinnati because he, he just feels like a Cincinnati Bengal to me. Uh, I could see it. Yeah. It, 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 when uh, We'll play this on draft day after the Cincinnati Bengals select him third overall because you can write it in stone now. Uh, but then comes the question of Baltimore-Cleveland. I think that that's one of the more intriguing storylines of the AFC, at least to me this uh, season. I really dislike that Ravens offense. I, I yeah, I think position. they're going to have serious problems unless unless they can somehow create this very very tough running attack between Jackson and Ingram and the new kid Hill, who I really like. I think they're going to try and take Ingram and Hill. Create an Ingram Kamara type vibe, but with a running quarterback. I don't know. Harbaugh's talking a little crazy about how you're going to do stuff no one's ever seen. Sometimes that's just all bullshit. Sometimes it's like Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Like they're actually going to run stuff that nobody's ever seen. So if they start running crazy schemes and these defenders don't know who the hell has the ball, Baltimore could be very good. Personally though, I think they're more of a 7 to 8 win team and I think the Cleveland Browns make wild card weekend again. And I think they beat out a 9 win Jets team, a 9 win Raiders team and an 8 or 9 team win AFC South team by getting that 10th victory, securing that second wild card spot and making their way back into the playoffs.
3: Well, they're due, and they're a starved fan base, so I know the people of
2: Cleveland would be thrilled. I wanted to give the Jets it. I did. I wanted to give the Raiders it. I did. I think that both the Raiders and the Jets need to take another step forward. I think last year was the Browns another step forward before they get in. I think the narrative makes sense for now they can get in, and the other two teams can get on the doorstep.
3: Well, we'll know, early. we'll get a clue early The Jets and Browns play week two on Thursday Night Football, I believe, and uh, I will say this, the Raiders and Jets both have the edge on the Browns in terms of coaching staff.
2: For sure, we don't know much about Freddie Kitchens. Having said that, the guys seem to really like him and rally around him, and I think that that goes a long way in this league. He, obviously, he needs to make the right calls, and he needs to make the right decisions, and he, timeouts and challenges and all of the game management stuff there's a lot there's a lot I don't know if he has the preparation in him seems kind of a bit of a wing it fucking got kind of guy but if that's his mentality that's the quarterback he's got too not to say Baker isn't a preparer and prepares as much as anybody but when he gets out on that field he's a fucking gunslinger and he just likes to wing that and say fuck it let's go and that seems yep. like kind of the coach he has, too. So it might be a good fit between them. Even if Freddie Kitchens overall might not be that good of a head coach, he might be that good of a head coach for this team and quarterback.
3: And look, you don't have to be Vince Lombardi to go 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs. So
2: for sure. They have a very talented roster, top to bottom, a lot of playmakers. And you should when you've been drafting that fucking high for the last two decades.
3: Well, yep. a lot of people wait. A lot of people will be waiting for Miles Garrett to take a step forward. We'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, I could see this being the season that, like, they get to the wild card, maybe even win the first wild card game somehow, and then get stomped out in New England on that divisional weekend and put in their place. And then the next year, everyone's rallied up that this is their season, and then they're going to have a heartbreaking moment again, like Cleveland Browns fans always have. It's just setting up, again, the narrative, and I love it. But I do think they get to the playoffs.
3: And I'll say this. You know, they got to hope that a smaller quarterback in Baker Mayfield can stay healthy through a cold Cleveland winter. He he puts a target on his back. Uh, Linebackers, safeties, or defensive linemen are dying to light him up. Odell Beckham seems to have issues staying healthy. We want Miles Garrett to take a step forward. The fans wanna see that. For them to be good, it has to happen. And rookie head coach Fred Kitchen Freddie Kitchens has to at least be, you know, capable. So they have to have a lot of dominoes fall for them to have that nine and seven, ten and six the season. So we will see. It'll be fun.
2: Absolutely. I'm very excited for that. Now in the NFC. We're gonna start in the West, Seattle, San Fran, L.A. Rams, and the Arizona Cardinals.
3: Okay. Very fun division. Uh, not Once again, not necessarily a division I enjoy watching, but a fun division to kind of break down. I got the Seattle Seahawks winning this division. I really like the uh, move for them to add the pass rusher and Jadavian Clowney. I like the idea... Of this team winning the division again. Russell Wilson is a stud. He's a leader. He just gets the job done. And they have that home field advantage. Pete Carroll is, you know, I'm not his biggest fan. But by no means is he going to be the reason they don't win. He won't mess it up. So to speak, and I know some people are laughing. Say, "Whoa, we threw the ball on the one-yard line in the Super Bowl," but that, that, that aside, he's not going to prevent them from winning the division. Mm-hmm. He's he's not this you know maverick kind of guy, if that makes any sense. He's kind of like a CEO, head coach, and. He's a, a proven winner at this point with Russell Wilson. That's a good marriage. I like this Seahawks team. I think they win the division. I think the Rams come in second place. I think they make the playoffs as a wild card. I'd like, uh, you know, Garoppolo to play a full 16, but the book is kind of out on them, and the, uh, you know, the league has seen them, and he's still working his way back. So I could see the Niners at like 7-9, and 6-10. and 10 and um and who's the other jerk off team I forgot Arizona forgetting. and the Arizona Cardinals are exactly that the jerk off team they're in the running for 1 and 15 2 and 14 they're incredibly young and they're trying something that apparently has never been done before they got a young head coach who, who I like but he didn't even really he didn't dominate in college at all um you know, I see them at two and fourteen, three and 13, 4 and twelve at best. They max out at four wins.
2: So I got the Rams taking this division again. I think they're the only double. I think they're the only double-digit win team that the NFC West even is going to come close to. I I do like Seattle. Maybe they do come close, get that ninth win. But I think they're more of just an eight and eight team. I, I just. Don't think they have enough to gel to become that good of a team. I don't think they make the playoffs. San Fran, I think, is right in that same range. Maybe they take a step forward also to nine wins, but odds are they stay around that seven, eight-win range either way. I don't think they make the playoffs. And then the Arizona Cardinals don't even come close, probably with about three wins. I mean, like you said, this is a very uninteresting division for me, so we ain't going to spend too much more time on it. Okay. So then it moves us to the NFC South. You've Got Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. It seems like a new team wins this every year.
3: Yep, but the Saints are still on that mission. So I got the Saints winning the division. I got Atlanta in second place. I got the Panthers in third place. And who's that other jerkoff team, buddy? Tampa Bay. I got Tampa Bay in last place. Jameis Winston's last year in Tampa he's exactly that a jerk off Bruce Arians I like him but he's got some jerk off in him too a little bit of a show off um I'm I'm not as high on Bruce Arians as other people are I think he's a good coordinator I don't think he's this great great astonishing head coach uh so you know they missed out they should have never got rid of John Gruden man they should give him that lifetime
2: contract oh that's for sure I I do actually like Arians a lot and I think he brings a lot to this team a lot of stability and kind of bringing it back but at the end of the day this is a man who wanted to be retired so how much do you yeah. really want to put in as long of days and hours as everyone else is working? Guy's
3: six guy's 66 years old. And let I me know. just say, I got the Falcons as the wildcard team out of that division.
2: Okay, see, I have the Falcons winning that division. I think the Falcons are back in a big way now that they're going to be healthy, especially on defense and the secondary. So I think Atlanta wins probably about 11 games, give or take. But definitely double digits. I think they take that division. Now, this is where I get a little shaken up. I kind of think the Saints take a step back. I want to drop them, but I'm going to have them in that two-hole. I'm going to have them winning nine games, not making the playoffs. New Orleans misses the playoffs. So does Carolina at about seven wins. Wow. And Tampa Bay I have at about six wins. I think that Arians gets them a handful of wins. But, yes, in a shocker, New Orleans missing the playoffs.
3: You know that's more insane than me having the Texans in last place.
2: Absolutely, so you know. absolutely. Okay, all right. I, uh, all now right. that's a hot take opinion.
3: Well, yeah, I hate the term hot take, but yeah, me, it's, me it's, too. It's I'm an, not doing it for the hot it, take. I'm doing it because it that's an, what I think. It's an interesting prediction on both ends. Both I of think ours. that
2: defense probably has some struggles. I think they're trying to transition to more of a running team, but they still have Drew Brees. Drew Brees' arm is starting to fade a little. I, I don't know. I could just see everything not clicking, how it was, still being hung up on that missed call out of nowhere. They had a nice season, nine wins, maybe even ten wins, somehow missed the playoffs.
3: Okay. Yeah, it's possible. They could be trained. Two devastating playoff exits.
2: Totally. Two years in a row. Totally. Now that takes us to the NFC North, and this is maybe the most competitive division in football to me with Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, and Detroit.
3: Yeah, the uh, black and blue division, the NFC-NARS division.
2: Yeah. I'm
3: going to go with the – and I'm going to go with this division. I'm going in a totally different route than I think a lot of people are. I got the Vikings winning this division, okay? I do like Mike Zimmer, and I think Kirk Cousins will be better in year two there. And they have the talent. We all know that. They were just in the NFC Championship game two years ago. I got the Bears in second place, missing the playoffs. I have the Packers as a bus team with Matt LaFleur. I think he's Needle Dick. I think he'll be a terrible coach. And the Lions, just through osmosis of being in a tough division, will be in last place. But they'll have a competitive year. Maybe they're a weird 7-9 and nine type of last place team six and ten lose out on a tiebreaker to like a six and ten seven and nine packer team
2: yeah i think this is a division where all these teams are within probably three four games of each other yeah at the end of the day i'm also having the vikings win the division i think the vikings are probably a 10 maybe 11 win team i i love that home field vantage i love kirk cousins this year Being able to have more time, that offensive line was so banged up last year, not to mention now you get Dalvin Cook back at least until he gets hurt again, which odds are will happen. Having said that, I love their skill position players. They have maybe the best wide receiver duo in the league, or at least a top two or three duo wide receiver-wise. I like Rudolph as the tight end, and I love the division. I love Zimmer, and that home field advantage is something special. They're going to win minimum six home games this year, if not all eight. And that alone is going to put you up there towards double digits, if not into double digits. So I like the Vikings to take that division. I think the Packers ride some wacky waves in the first two months, let's say. But I think ultimately LaFleur gets his feet on Durham. Aaron Rodgers does enough. I talk up their defense and their skill position players on defense highly. I think their defense is very underrated. You got some serious playmakers on that side of the ball and I think they'll win them some games also. I have them about 10 wins, let's call it as the wild card team. I then have I then have the Bears taking a small step back, tough schedule. I don't love Trubisky like that like you were saying with Allen you're not sold yet. You don't know what he is. That's me with Trubisky. I don't know yeah. who he is. It would not shock me if he kind of winds up being mediocre in the next year or two. And it wouldn't shock me if he's a really nice quarterback also in the next two years. So I'm not sold on the Bears. I, I think losing Fangio might hurt him slightly here and there. But they do have a lot of talent to make up for it. Ultimately, I think they're an 8-9 win team. Just missing the playoffs, though. And then the Lions, I hope they're competitive. I've said they're going to be competitive. I think they get that seven wins. At the end of the day, though, the last few days, I've been thinking maybe they're a three to four win team. But I want to believe that they're better than that and they have more talent.
3: Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how that division shakes out.
2: Yeah, I could see the Lions winding up like it being the end of Stafford. They're three wins. They, they're they picking their new quarterback. It's the changing of the guard, Patricia's still there, but now it's his guys, his team. I could see that, but I also yeah, I just think hope that, they win
3: on Thanksgiving Day.
2: Yeah, I, I think that the, he could rally them in a lot of these games, especially mid to later in the year when— you know, maybe a trip to Detroit is a little lackadaisical for some of these teams. Or they take the Detroit Lions coming into town a little late And the Lions surprise them. I think they might be able to get themselves six, seven wins. But I hope so. I'm rooting for the Lions. Yeah, you're a
3: closet Lions guy. Weirdly. Yeah, I like them too.
2: Uh, it's weird. I'm a closet Packers guy too. But either way. Moving on to the NFC East. One of our favorite divisions. You obviously yes. got the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Redskins, and the Giants. Very, yep, so got- very legendary teams in this division.
3: Absolutely. I've got the uh, Eagles winning the division this year, possibly a 12-4 and 4 year out of them. I have the Cowboys with a lot of distractions, and a lot of weird kind of stuff going on contractually and whatnot. I have them taking a little bit of a step back. I have them going nine and seven. I have the uh, Redskins at six and 10 and I got the Giants at three and 13.
2: Yeah, the Giants at three and 13 definitely is perfect for me. They're not going to win a ton. I could see their victories coming more early in the season. Even week one at Against Dallas wouldn't shock me. I mean, it seems like they always are competitive in that game. I don't think I'll be touching it. And if I do, I'd probably take the Cowboys to kick the shit out of them. But it wouldn't surprise me. Them staying competitive here and there. Eventually, though, I think they hit rough patches. Daniel Jones will take over, like we mentioned earlier. I have the Redskins not very good. But, again, competitive. I do like their defense and some of the guys they have on it. Both of their lines on both sides are very talented, so that'll win them some games. I think they're very similar to the Lions. I think they get their six, seven victories, but maybe they only win three or four because they're not that good of a team. Yeah,
3: they just don't have the quarterback play that the Lions have.
2: In fact, now that I'm doing this, I think I'm changing it. I might put the Redskins at the bottom and somehow have the Giants in that three hole in the division, but either way, neither of those teams are very good this season. Then the cream of the crop. I have both of the top two, Cowboys, Eagles, double-digit victories. I have the Eagles, though, slight edge over the Cowboys, 12 victories for them, 11 for the Cowboys. They're the top wildcard team, the Eagles, top team in the Mm -hmm. NFC. I think both of those are very tough and could easily meet in an NFC championship game this year. That
3: would would be fun. I I do like the... uh Cowboys linebackers. I just love the job Rob Marinelli's done with that defense over the years. And they seem to be getting better. They as, got guys locked in. As I far as Cowboys
2: think, drama goes, this year has been very mild. you well, got to remember, the Cowboys always have drama.
3: Well, no, I get that. You know, Zeke Elliott just seems like he signed now four days before the first game, which is fine. You know, whatever. It is what it is. I'll be in shape. Amari Cooper didn't practice for most of August. Nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, And the whole looming contract with Dak Prescott, does that get in his head in some way? I don't know. As much as I like Dak as a leader and as a person, and and I do like his scrappy game. He's just not dynamic enough for me. I feel like um, he's due for a little bit of a come-down-to-earth scenario kind of like he had the uh, in his sophomore season. So last year was like a breakout-ish year for him. They won a playoff game. I think he comes down to earth and
2: 9-7
3: um, and seven for the Cowboys this year.
2: See, I almost feel the opposite about that. I actually think he's going to have a, his breakout year this season. I think he's very calm. He's very cool. He's very level-headed. He's the type of guy oh, he's that always there. he hasn't he's always come there. from much. He has been overlooked his whole time. Nobody thought he would be this. He's signing a big contract either way. At a certain point, I'm not saying he doesn't want to increase his value and get the most dollar. At a certain point, you know, no matter what you do this year, essentially, you're going to get taken care of. So I don't think he has that pressure I think that the defense is the X factor he doesn't need the pressure on him because this defense that they have has the rushers it has the linebackers like no other team can offer in football today that's right it's like it's honestly to me probably the closest thing you can come to those old Stiller teams or something like that where you have the just these linebackers that are so much better than even one of the linebackers on any other team let alone the core together. And that secondary has playmakers. I love Byron Jones. He finally has come into fruition to what he was supposed to be. They have some nice talent on that defense. Oh, and, there's no doubt about that. And I think that that's going to carry them a lot of the way in these games. And the offense just has to do just enough. And now that Zeke's coming back and everything's simpatico again, once the season gets underway, even if they start slow, I even said the Giants could beat them that opening night. Even if they start slow, I believe they're a double-digit win team and get to 10, 11 wins. But I don't think it's going to be good enough for this division.
3: Yeah, yeah, the Eagles are, they seem to be on a mission. um, But at the same time, nobody expected the Cowboys really to win the division last year, coming off of an Eagles Super Bowl season. So, you know, this is the NFL. This is why we made some wacky predictions on this show. I could see an instance where the Eagles have another kind of disappointing year like they did last year in the eyes of many. So we don't know. And it's fun to prognosticate it, forecast it out. We'll see what happens.
2: So what's your Super Bowl?
3: I'm going to give you my Super Bowl. It's going to be Steelers-Saints.
2: Interesting. Uh, it's even more interesting uh, yeah i'm not going to do it i almost put houston in my super bowl which would That's have given insane. each of which would have given each of us a super bowl pick that the other one didn't even have in the playoffs
3: playoffs yeah
2: which would have been amazing but i can't do it at the end of the day i'm going to go the easy route and go the new england patriots one more time get to the super no bowl no way i think they <laughs> get to yet another super bowl and i know it's, it's the possible. easy pick but I think they have a rematch with the Philadelphia Eagles and I think the Patriots get them this time. And I think wow. that could potentially be Brady's last Super Bowl ever cuz odds that, are McDaniels leaves at the end of the year if they win another one. And I I just think that's that makes sense in my script.
3: That would be funny. That would be cool, I, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that. Uh by any means that would be a fun ride that's what this nfl year is all about
2: yeah and it's a Um, bit of a chalk pick for Super Bowl. i mean god probably those are the two most easy teams to say at this point coming into the season outside of maybe the chiefs or a team another team here and there but you know sometimes sometimes it's going to go chalk and other times it won't and that's why they play the games
3: exactly it's 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 here, baby. It's here. I know the VIP listeners are pumped up. I know we're pumped up, and we'll be bringing football content throughout the season. Uh, We're getting a lot of thank yous for the picks we gave out this past weekend. People are excited, and uh, the excitement and the fever pitch hasn't even reached its crescendo yet, gang. So be sure to lock in with us here on the mark and uh, get ready to talk ball all year long.
2: Absolutely, and we're going to leave you just on a couple quick, season prop bets that me myself benny spielberg currently has tickets in for we have for regular season rushing yards to lead the nfl in rushing yards we have dalvin cook plus 2,000 james connor plus 2,500 chris carson plus 3,000 leonard fournette who i know you're down on but if he stays healthy at plus 3,500 is great value and this one's absurd, but for plus 6,000, I took Mark Ingram because, hey, if Jeremy Hill isn't working out, they run the ball so fucking much in Baltimore this season, they're going to have it. Now, I got maybe my weird, my weirdest one, Saquon Barkley for MVP. You you might say, how, how if they win two games, is he going to win MVP? Well, plus 4,000, I'm taking a shot that Who knows? Like I said, maybe the Giants get that third spot in the NFC East, which means maybe they get six wins. If he has an unbelievable season where he breaks all types of records and nobody else is really having that breakout year, maybe there's a couple injuries here and there, maybe a few guys like Mahomes just aren't having the type of seasons they were last year. Out of nowhere, plus at 4,000. Saquon Barkley for MVP becomes. I hope very that was a lottery
3: ticket style bet. I hope you didn't put any substantial money on that.
2: That has bucks.
3: no shot. There you go. That's bucks. a lottery ticket bet. Yeah, that's cool.
2: 25 to win a grand. I'll take it. Now, I do even have.
3: If, even if they randomly made the wild card with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley
2: had a historic year, that's, that's the thing. I need the historic year. I need the historic year and now, nobody else having thing. anything
3: interesting. Defense. D- defenses know the jet. The Giants have no weapons whatsoever. They will be fully honed in let's we'll say Saquon Barkley he will be the focal point of every defensive game plan.
2: Well absolutely but I think he's the generational type talent that can really step up to the plate and play really well despite all of that. I think he's going to get his unbelievable numbers. I think he has physically can hold up to the beating at least for this season and like I said if his numbers are just that much better than everyone else I think he could win MVP with a six-win team. We'll see. I kind of like Derek
3: Carr as a, as a dark horse MVP.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like that one also. Listen, there are a few that I'm going to get in before this. Those just happens to be the ones that I already currently have in. Having sure. said all of that, folks, we appreciate you sticking with us through all of that. That was our Hard Knocks recap. Finale. That was our NFL season preview. And what better time? We have kickoff tonight, Green Bay, Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, the NFL is back. I cannot wait for this Sunday card. Mark, you got anything else to say to the listeners? The
3: Raiders are the lock of the year in the second game of the Monday night doubleheader. Moneyline Raiders. I mean, it's a pick them right now. It's going to be. A uh, shit kicking, the ass kicking will ensue early and often. Not so much because of how high I am on the Raiders, because I am, but also pairing that with how bad I think the Broncos are.
2: I totally agree with you there. I might stay off it because I just need to be able you to cross the it. Raiders I get it. and see it. it. But with that being said, for nothing more than sheer value, the line opened up at I believe three, give or take. Yep. Yep. Now it's down to a pick If nothing more, you got great value through the offseason that now you don't have to give those points up. You get the Raiders' money line for free. So I love it. Yeah, I, I understand it for nothing more than value purposes, although I agree that I think the Raiders are a good team and I think the Broncos are a bad team.
3: Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll recap it in one way, shape, or form, that's for sure.
2: For sure. We're still working on that Simulcast podcast podcast. Uh, with Whatever the Raiders other podcast kind of network, cast we're going to have out for that first game, but we'll do something for it. That's for sure. Very excited for that. Very excited for this season. I, I almost couldn't be any more excited. I, I didn't think I could get any more excited, but this hard knocks, these Raiders, every week they've really gotten me hyped for this season to no other in a way that I couldn't have even imagined.
3: And the, like I said, the fever pitch hasn't even reached its crescendo yet. Benny, good good sparring match today. Looking forward to doing it again with you in studio next
2: time. Absolutely looking forward to it too, Marky. So until next time, folks, this is the one, the only, Las Vegas Raiders Lounge
1: Podcast. The autumn wind is a pirate blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won.